there. Welcome to the Real World NP Podcast. I'm Liz Rohr, family nurse practitioner, educator, and founder of Real World NP, an educational company for nurse practitioners in primary care. I'm on a mission to equip and guide new nurse practitioners so that they can feel confident, capable, and take the best care of their patients. If you're looking for clinical pearls and practice tips without the fluff, you're in the right place. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review so you won't miss an episode. Plus, you'll find links to all the episodes with extra goodies over at realworldnp.com slash podcast. So hey there, this episode, we're going to be talking about caretaker fatigue. This is a really common topic that comes up in uh, healthcare in general, whether it's feeling like you're getting close to burnout or you're in burnout. It's just really one facet of the conversation. We've had a number of podcast episodes this season and over the course of the last couple of years to talk about this kind of like inner work that comes along with becoming a nurse practitioner. And I just, it's just, I feel really called to talk more about it because it just really feels like something has shifted since the pandemic. So this is an interview with a dear friend of mine, Kat Wood. And she, uh, so her bio here is that uh, Catherine Wood is the founder and head coach of Unbounded Potential. It's a boutique coaching firm that helps bold, brilliant, and big-hearted leaders in business and corporate come home to their purpose and create holistic success beyond socially defined success markers. She's an executive and business coach and creator of the Unbounded Mastermind, her year-long signature program for under-the-radar yet totally badass and big-hearted entrepreneurs. Catherine has amassed uh, more than 2,500 hours of coaching experience, working with over 100 clients since 2014, and has been awarded the highly coveted designation as a master certified coach by the International Coaching Federation. She is phenomenal. Only 4% of coaches worldwide hold this credential. She hosts um, her own podcast called the Prosperous Empath Podcast and is the best-selling author of Belonging, Overcome Your Inner Critic and Reclaim Your Joy. She lives with her husband and two pups in Massachusetts where she enjoys daily cold water swims. Kat is just fantastic and like I said, a really dear friend of mine. So I I I hope that you enjoy this conversation. Um, I hope you're willing to take a chance and listen, even if it feels kind of like, oh, like what does this have to do with being a nurse practitioner? Or I've heard all of the things about burnout that I need to hear. I mean, at least I feel like that sometimes of like, especially in the healthcare spaces of like, oh, like what else could we possibly be talking about? It just seems like this thing that's doesn't really move and it's just kind of always there. But I really do feel like this interview just helps uncover one of those little facets. And it was such, such a impactful thing for me in my work with her, because I've worked with her as a client before. And I just, I think you will really appreciate it. And I think it's a little bit novel to the nurse practitioner space, but, or physician associate space, if you're a PA listening or a student, but yeah, I hope you, I hope you enjoy our interview. Oh, I'm so excited for this conversation. I'm always excited for podcast episodes. I feel like I say that all the time, but I just, this is so fun. This is so fun. Thank I you so much. Exact same way. I say it like every time. Like, oh, I'm so excited for this conversation. I'm so excited for today's guest. I'm like, I need to stop saying that. It's so good. Okay. So I guess this had some some context. So this episode, at least for so I'm just gonna we're gonna be sharing this to both of our podcasts, but just it's kind of framing it from the perspective of the real world NP community for nurse practitioners. It's a little bit of a different conversation than I've brought to the podcast so far. And I think that one thing that's really occurred to me this year, especially 2023, where is when we're recording it. Um, I think it'll be published later. But one thing that's really come to me is that with Real World NP, 
the mission is not just about um, all of the nuts and bolts of what it takes to become a nurse practitioner in the real world of like going from graduation to the real world and like navigating, you know, diagnosing new conditions and how to do billing and coding. Like it is about that, but I think it's such a larger part about it that I think we need to talk more about, especially after the pandemic peak, right? Cause we're still in the middle of stuff. But like, I think that's one of the pieces that I'm really feeling called towards is like, what is that, what does that healing actually look like um, for caregivers? Because I think it's part of that larger conversation of burnout prevention, because at least for my community, what I see um, is that people go in with like so much ambition and, you know, such lofty ideals and goals and the spirit of it is so strong. And, and heartbreakingly, what I see for people is that they go from this like bright eyed, bushy tailed perspective into burnout before they get to that three-year mark of competence. But I think like, so I think that this, this is a different type of conversation because it's really touching on that deeper part, that deeper work that goes into the burnout prevention. It's really not just about eating enough, you know, eating square meals, healthy meals, drinking enough water, getting enough sleep. There's like actually a lot of inner work that happens. Um, and I just, it occurred to me that like you and I have done so much work together over the last couple of years. And, um, I really wanted to talk about this concept of caretaking, um, caretaking, codependence boundaries. And like, what does that even mean? What does that look like? And how do, I guess like the, the thing that it's, it's coming to me is like, how do we healthfully be a caregiver? How do we be a caregiver in a healthy way? That's like supporting our well-being and what did, what is it we just said before we started recording losing ourselves without losing ourselves is that what we said that's what we said yeah <laughs> and it's just i feel like i so and just again before we jump into the conversation so for some more context like there's this book that i recommend all the time when nurse practitioners come to me about burnout and compassion fatigue and it's called to weep for a stranger and it talks about i again i think it addresses that piece of like what is it that adds to this experience of, uh, of burnout and people think that it's this one thing on the top, but really underneath it, it kind of gets to that piece of why are you doing this in the first place? What does this mean to you? And like, where, where are you coming from it? Like, are you coming from it in a place of like solidity in yourself or are you losing yourself in the caregiving, which is what is contributing? So that's a lot of backstory, but I think that I think that this is relevant, whether you're a nurse practitioner, you are some sort of service provider, caregiver. Um, but I would just love to talk with you just like a very informal way talking about like, I don't know, where do you, where do you want to jump in with that? What do you, I mean, maybe like, maybe what you would, what would you, what, where do you want to jump in? Do you want to talk about like what caretaking is like the context of how this came up. Like, I feel, I guess one last piece of context is that when I was in the middle of this and you introduced this concept to me, I was like, no idea that this was a thing. Like the way I was behaving in this, in this way is just the way that I feel like I was socially conditioned, socially female raised. And then also being in a caretaking profession, caregiving profession, it was like, oh, this is just what we do. And this yeah. is what all society tells us to do. And then you were like, oh no, this is a thing. This is this specific way that you're acting is a, is, is a phenomenon and it can be this way or it could not be this way. Mm -hmm. So yeah, what, yeah, you, you, you jump in. What are you, what are your thoughts? Okay. So I guess I want to just provide a little more like context of totally. why this conversation is so important yes, 100%. because, you know, as a coach, I work with a lot of caregivers in healthcare and also in the service providing industries 
And I think one of the most important reasons that we all <laughs> need to get a grip, like to get a grip on our caregiving <laughs> tendencies is for longevity. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I see so many caregivers lead, leaving their yes. service providing industries because yes. they haven't found a way to be of service without losing yes. themselves in the mm-hmm. process. And so I think if you have a commitment to maintain your profession in the long term without mm-hmm. the burnout, without the compassion fatigue, and without like leaving the industry altogether, then 100%. this conversation is absolutely essential. Yeah. Really, 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 really. And it's wild because I think the thing that strikes me about it is like, yeah, it's just so, it's so prevalent and it's so hidden at the same time. So yeah, what, where, what, how, for me, at least the, the, the context of that, that it arose was that I was, I think it was like in relationship with somebody or like, and we were talking about like, oh, that's caretaking. Do you want to start there and give like an example of what this looks like? What, what exactly we're talking about? Absolutely. So caretaking is a tendency in relationships where we are taking care of someone else in order to feel good about ourselves, Mm -hmm. in order to feel a sense of value, a sense of worthiness, um, really like to boost up our own Mm self-identity, right? So it's like, I am doing something to you or Mm -hmm. for you in order Mm -hmm. to feel good about me. So whether it's problem solving, fixing, helping, providing solutions. Like I'm sure your community knows how badass of a business owner you are. So you have like (laughs) you in particular, (laughs) y'all, Liz is an amazing (laughs) master business mind. Like she is a visionary. And one of the gifts of being a visionary is you're filled with ideas. And so you just want to, you just want to share, like you want to share your gifts. And when you're sharing your gifts and, and, giving to others and filling up someone else's cup while emptying your own, that's caretaking. Yeah. It's an energy imbalance. It is a recipe for burnout or exhaustion or fatigue or bitterness or resentment Mm -hmm. in relationships. Mm -hmm. And we so often think that when we care for other people, like we do this a lot, I think in, in romantic partnerships, I know I used to yeah, for sure. Totally. Um, we think that our partners are going to show their love in the same way. Like, Oh, mm-hmm. I just need to give, I just need to help. I just need to, you know, clean up buy them gifts, like whatever, depending on whatever your love language is or how you express mm-hmm. your love, like that your partner will reciprocate when in reality, like caretaking is often a function of our egoic minds of our Mm -hmm. fear-based selves that haven't fully developed the capacity to ask for what we need directly Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. to know what our enough, um, like what our enough maximum is. Like, like Mm -hmm. I always say that we can, we can give to someone else to the, to the cap where we don't feel resentment or a transactional like expectancy from our partner, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So when I, so I imagine many of your 
your listeners identify as empathic or are very mm-hmm. heart centered, caring mm-hmm. natured. So I, I'm very much an empath and I know you are too. And so we have a natural predisposition to give, to want to mm-hmm. help, to want to be of service, to want to care for other people, which is a beautiful gift. And our gifts can mm-hmm. also be are kryptonites, right? It's Mm -hmm. like we have to learn how to protect and hold sacred our gifts Mm -hmm. so that um, we don't weaponize them against ourselves. And and so the way I always say it is like, I can give to my husband, to my clients, to my friends, to my family until that limit where I expect something in return. Mm -hmm. Because when I pass that limit, Mm-hmm. then I'm not giving from, a, from myself. Like I'm not giving from my own inherent desire or urge to care or help or love. I'm giving because I expect something in return. Mm-hmm. And that is crucial. Mm-hmm. So actually, um, I don't know if I shared this with you, but I'm having another episode coming up about covert contracts and drama triangle, which is also part of this dynamic. So we can totally touch on covert contracts because I, I feel like I could talk about that for ages, but, but yeah, I think, I think what I'd really love is especially, so what I'm thinking about is for nurse practitioners, um, this may be a really novel conversation for people. And, and I think it can be hard sometimes to parse out. It's like, oh, well, I, that's part of my job. Like I am a caregiver. Like I'm here to help people and support them and guide them and all this stuff. And I think that's why it also gets super messy. Cause it's like, it is inherently part of the job that you are giving and being of service, but like, so I'd love to break it down even more with like some examples, like, I don't know, do you, are there, are there any examples you can specifically speak to whether, like, I guess if you're speaking with the care, like the clients that you work with who are in caregiving professions, like, can you think of any examples of like, I, I learn really well from examples and also like, what's the positive and negative or what's the opposite of each other? Um, so like, what is a caretaking exchange look like? So maybe for example, like if you had an example or thinking about a nurse practitioner, like working in the clinic setting, um, could be an example of like, you know, caretaking in a colleague relationship, caretaking in a boss relationship, caretaking in a patient relationship. Like there's so many ways that this can show up. Like what is, what is an example of the, the quote unquote healthier way versus the caretaking way? So a quote. Uh, and I, I love that. I will totally provide some examples, but by way of context, a quote that comes to mind for me as I think about this concept um, is something my mentor once said to me. And he said, mm-hmm. if you're doing something for, if you're doing something for me without including me, you're doing it to me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I feel like that is, uh, that sums up caretaking, yes. right? Yes. It's like, so, that. so in a, in a collegial fashion, right? Like if you have a colleague who is um, under-resourced, maybe they don't manage their time well, or maybe they don't get their paperwork done and you jump in to over-function for them, whether it's to like help them manage their time on their behalf, to let them know that they have a like in a client coming up or right. You're like, you're doing it for them. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're kind of, you're, you're making an assumption about what their role. need is. Yeah. You're making an assumption about what their need is. And you're like taking care of them as if they don't have the ability to take care of themselves totally. Any, through, through, through a positive spirit, but like, yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah, absolutely. So you're like literally jumping in to be the hero or the heroine and like do something for them, which is actually their job description, like their Mm -hmm. responsibility, their obligation to clean up after themselves or um, get all of their paperwork in or, Mm -hmm. you know, manage their, their client appointments. Right. So um, like that is caretaking. So you're essentially um, you're not relating to someone as your equal, you're relating to them inside of a power dynamic where you assume that you know better or you could do it better or you can do it with less efforting or it would be easy for you to just jump in and help. Yeah. Now, I think that's how it shows up in the professional, but in the I think in the personal, it can be so much more, um, I don't know, like just very very like transparent because if you see uh, a home dynamic where one of the partners is a caretaker typically the female identifying partner like Mm -hmm. there's there is a sense of um over functioning in the relationship where there is a, a a imbalance between household responsibilities and duties the caretaker typically does more in the house maybe she she or they multitask better or can handle more things or just just take on more burden in the household mm-hmm. because they're mm-hmm. capable of it or they can do it or mm-hmm. um like that's caretaking mm-hmm. especially if you're jumping in, if you haven't had an explicit conversation about hey here's my responsibility here's your responsibility it's like oh i'm just going to take a guess i'm going to assume that you need this or you want this and i'm going to do it for you either because I feel like I'm more capable. I'm trying to show you my love or I have a hidden agenda expectation of like, if I do this thing, it will mean that you see that I care for you or that means X, Y, or Z like that, that I feel like is such like an undercurrent of this dynamic is like, there's so much more involved than just like trying. And, and it is like, I, I feel like, I feel like so many people, I, I'm so, I so appreciate those examples. Cause I feel like it's so resonant for people, especially what you said about, um, doing something because they can, because so many people, especially in the real world MP audience, I think identify with that place of being so capable, being so ambitious that it's like, oh yeah, no, I can do that. I can do anything. I can do whatever, but it's like, okay, but why are you doing it? Sorry, go ahead. I just want to give an example of that. Cause I experienced yes. like a very small example of this just before we hit record on this podcast. So my in-laws are visiting right now. And, um, they it's, so we recorded this episode right after the Thanksgiving holiday, right? So they're going back to Michigan and, um, their flight is this afternoon. And my husband wanted me to drive with him and them to the airport. And I was like, and I could, right. Because I am an entrepreneur. I have so much flexibility in my schedule. And just because I can, doesn't mean I should. And I think that caretaking persona, we often um, forget that just because we can doesn't mean we should. And so I was like, and my husband knows that I had the time in my calendar so I could go with him to the airport. It's an hour drive. And I didn't want to, like, it wasn't Mm -hmm. actually in service of me to take two and a half hours out of my afternoon that I had carved out to, to like, 
have some quiet time after hosting my in-laws for an extended weekend. Like I'm an introvert. I need that time. Mm -hmm. And so I lovingly told him that I wasn't going to go with him. (laughs) And it's hard for him to hear, right? We've been together a decade and it's still hard for him to hear sometimes me assert that boundary when I'm so often a yes. Mm -hmm. And I, I also just want to acknowledge that even after a decade plus of practicing breaking up with my caretaking habits, Mm -hmm. like I still felt that pang of guilt. I'm not Mm going to lie. Like I still felt guilty. Mm -hmm. Like I, oh, I Mm -hmm. should go. But then I like checked in, like what is actually in service of me in this moment? And Mm -hmm. it's to stay home and to take care of myself. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he's learning and he agreed. So we sent them an Uber and we're both home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think that's what it looks like. Totally. Yeah. Cause I'd love to, I'd love to tie in like, <clears throat> so we have this, like, I'm just trying to put myself in that place of nurse, like, cause I just feel like I've done so much work in this area for so many years that I'm just like trying to put myself back into my former, my former self of like, just being totally unaware of this. Like, I think that I think I love that you, I love that you touch on, cause like there's the phenomenon itself. There's like the step of like, what is a different option? I guess I want to pause there real quick and say that like, none of this is in judgment. Like, I think for me, the purpose of me sharing this is that I've seen it so contribute to my own and other people's burnout and lack of sustainability and care, caregiving fields that I think it's really important to talk about. And there are some people who will choose to operate in this way and not want to change. And that's totally fine. Right. Like these are all different choices that we can make. And so if this is a a dynamic that works for you, you're happy, you're fulfilled, your relationships are all in agreement. Like that's cool. Right. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's like, I think like the step one is kind of just like the awareness of what the, what caretaking is, which is kind of a larger picture of codependence and like, what are, what does it look like to not do that? And then what is that journey in between? And I think that we've talked a little bit on, on my podcast um, and on my YouTube channel about when it comes to burnout and talking about boundaries, I think it can feel so murky for so many people. Um, but yeah, like maybe let's talk about, so that's a, that's a great example of like, okay, here's the thing that I could do. I'm going to check in with me, myself, my needs. Right. So if we kind of just even like break down that situation of what you just shared, it's like, okay, don't really want to do this. So I'll just desire, right? Don't want to. I also have some needs here. I have some physical needs. I'm exhausted. I need to recharge. You know, there's underlying beliefs in there. And again, I'm putting this on, I'm painting this as an example. Okay. So feels free to jump in, like not to paint your own thoughts about it, but it's like, it sounds like you have a belief about, you know, I'm worthy of being well rested with my cup full. And that is a standard. That's not like, oh, that would be nice, you know? And then there's another layer in there that's like, you don't, you, you are comfortable enough in yourself that like the, the guilt in there is pro like, if you want to talk more about this and say more about this, but I'm just tying it. I I hear it so often in our audience of like, I feel like I feel the guilt of what I should do because of somebody else's expectations, which also like ties into like that kind of like agenda, covert contract, unexplicit communication. Like, does that make sense? Like, yeah. What do you, can maybe we could like segue to talk about needs because I yes. feel like yes, 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 they yes. are so directly and secretly connected. Yes. Yeah. Because 
if I like, if I think back to my own initial days of mm-hmm. really coming to terms with my own um, caretaking and codependent traits, like I wasn't getting my own needs met for myself mm-hmm. yes. on my own terms and by my own volition. Yes. I was getting my needs met indirectly through mm-hmm. caring for other people, through helping, through over-functioning, through um, being like the heroine who came in with the cape on her back, right? Like mm-hmm. helping mm-hmm. everyone, like having time for everyone, like mm-hmm. being being really just like that. Um, I mean, she was so obnoxious. You know? <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> and, and no judgment. Like I have so much compassion for her because Mm-hmm. that's exactly what I saw growing up. You know, like mm-hmm. I grew up in a bed and breakfast, like we cared for people 24 seven, right? Like mm-hmm. we were always helping other people having a smile on our face. How can I help you? What do you need? Like, where do you mm-hmm. want to go today? Like, where can I make a reservation for you tonight? Right? Like it's, mm-hmm. we always had this mask on, but so I, I very much like can identify with that part of me that got so much validation and affirmation Mm -hmm. and approval through caring for other people. Mm -hmm. But the reality was that like, I didn't really know who I was. Like I didn't have a grasp on what my own needs or preferences or desires Mm -hmm. or boundaries were. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of brutally honest to say it this way, but I was using other people to get my needs met. Mm -hmm. And then I was blaming them for it or getting resentful at them for it or bitter towards them because they weren't reciprocating or they weren't meeting me. (laughs) When in reality, like I didn't have a voice, like I didn't have a voice to say, like, I, you know, I want to, I want you to plan a date night next week. And I don't want to have to have anything to do with it. Or like, I'm going to clean the house this weekend and fold your laundry, but I really want you to go get the car fixed and not even have to ask about it. (laughs) Oh my God. This makes me so happy, Kat, because I just love how you can talk about it in such a light way. And I'm laughing because I so like, I see myself in that for sure. And I know that so many people will see themselves in it. And I think that like that bringing that levity to it is like, it can be, it feels so heavy and it can feel kind of gross. Like I think yeah. when we first started talking about it, I was like, Ooh, I feel so yucky. Like I'm being actually kind of manipulative. And I was thinking that I was helpful. Right. And it's like, Oh no, like it gets to be light. It's okay. Yeah. And you were manipulative and you were helpful. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like it's just, it's just, it is what it is and it's what we learned and it's, that's completely okay. And I think having not only a healthy sense of humor and levity around it, but also just a willingness to be transparent and say that, say it like it is actually helps in overcoming that, that, um, really like unsustainable Mm -hmm. for many of us way of being in relationships. Totally. What do you, what do you feel like is an inroad, right? So if, if we've kind of like started with like, what does caretaking look like? 
like the foundational aspects that are embedded in it has to do with what our needs are. Where do people, where do we take it from there? Like, what is, what is that next kind of concrete place that people can go in terms of like, oh, wow, I see myself in this conversation. Yeah, I am neglecting my needs or like, I'm curious to shift this pattern because I do feel really burnt out. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like would be next for, for that part of the conversation? So baseline to normalize that it is highly likely that you have no freaking clue what you need. <laughs> and that is absolutely normal. You're probably terrified about this conversation and you're like, gosh, I don't even know where to start. I don't know yeah. what my needs are. And mm-hmm. I, that's exactly how I felt Liz. And I mm-hmm. imagine that's exactly how oh, you felt. Yeah. Well, you gave me, I mean, spoiler alert, you gave me an assignment when we first talked about this a couple of years ago and you were like, I need you to start putting post-it notes around the house that says, what do I need? Well, do I need chapstick? Right. I think you did a podcast about this a couple of years ago too. It's like, do I, do I need chapstick? Or like in the moment you just named what you needed. You're like, I need chapstick. I need a drink of water. I have to go to the bathroom. We actually talked about, um, I have another podcast episode uh, that talks about uh, burnout with this burnout coach. And that's one of her mottos is like, pee when you have to pee, like, is just talking about what your needs are. Like, what do you, what do you need right now? And not delaying that you have to pee, not delaying, taking a drink, right? I've been muting myself and coughing and taking drinks. And it's like, I'm just taking care of myself, but yeah, continue. Absolutely. So baseline, it's so likely you have no clue how to answer that question. And that Mm -hmm. is completely normal and okay. And where both of us were when we started on this journey. And one of my very first practices was the exact same practice that I offered you, like to literally put a post-it note up. What do I need in this moment? Like everywhere in my house. Mm -hmm. And then, so that's the first step, just normalizing. And then Mm -hmm. the second step is acknowledging that you have probably been um, stepping over your needs for years, right? Like like not peeing when you have to pee, right? Like I, for so many years, like literally wouldn't let myself pee until I finished a call Mm -hmm. or I finished a task at hand or I wrote a blog or I wrote a newsletter. Like how ridiculous is that? (laughs) Totally. I mean, it's, it's also like, it's just, it's also so normal. Like that is like the life of a clinician is, especially when you have a busy clinic, so many patients, so much work to do. It ta- but it takes 30 seconds. I mean, maybe it takes longer, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's not, yeah, it is absurd. I think being outside of it and in the moment, it's like, well, I don't have a choice. I have patients to see this is busy. There's stuff to do. And it's like, actually you get to choose yourself because this job is going to exist when it, if you leave it, or if you stay, those patients are going to be okay. Right. Like it, it's so hard not to get really wrapped up into the super significance of our work, but it, but, and also like it's not sustainable. Like, and I I talked about this in a couple of episodes. Um, but it's like, at least part of the thing for me too, was like stepping into this is choosing myself was like, I can't do this. I can't do the thing for the people that I want to do unless I take care of myself. And so to build that muscle of caring for myself genuinely, it was like, yeah, like I'm not going to be able to sustain in this career and, and help all these people. If I don't, if I don't do this, I have to do this for them. Right. And that was like a proxy. Like I'm not there anymore, but yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I completely concur. So, um, I, I mean, a couple of thoughts that came up as you were speaking is, um, like when we start to reckon with our needs, I think it starts, we start to really come to terms with the fact that we're humans, like we're humans and that we get to treat ourselves with 
that same compassion and generosity and care that we extend to others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And most of us don't. (laughs) Most of us are are practiced, are um, really like habituated in caring for other people at the expense of ourselves. And I think as caretakers and as service providers, um, so often one of the greatest ways that we can contribute to other people is actually modeling the very mm. habits and practices that, um, that we're teaching about, you know, like mm. even like last mm. month Liz, I had a doctor's appointment in Cambridge and I showed up 18 minutes late and they had a 15 minute grace window for the appointment. I had scheduled this appointment six weeks ahead of time after having rescheduled it two months ahead of time that like, this was like a highly emotional appointment for me. And I was late Mm -hmm. and took me an hour and 45 minutes to get to the appointment, which is why I was late. And then I had to turn around and come back two months later. And when the doctor's nurse told me that she wouldn't see me, that I had to come back. Right. Like I was initially like so pissed. Right. Mm -hmm. But then I had to like swallow my own medicine and realize like, oh no, this is actually a doctor's office where I want to go because they honor their boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I can really appreciate that, right? Like mm-hmm. she didn't mm-hmm. care for me at the expense of herself or her schedule for the rest of the day. Like she mm-hmm. honored her appointments and her boundaries around her business policies and her practice. And um I really appreciated that after swallowing my own medicine. (laughs) I guess, I guess what I'm wondering is, um, cause I just, oh my gosh, there are just so many places we could go in terms of the conversation. I wonder, do you feel like, I guess I'm debating whether or not, like I'm trying to put myself in the, in the people's perspective of like, I wonder if, I guess if we can put ourselves back in that place of the novelty of it, do you feel like it would be helpful to kind of connect with other examples of how this shows up versus talking about the steps? I, I mean, we've given people a concrete step to, to think about, right? What are my needs? Like, what do I actually need in this moment? And then like making the choice to honor that without think like, I mean, we can still be in relationship with people, right? It doesn't mean that we have to just like be this total, like I only do what's great for me all the time right? It's like, we still get to be in relationship and choose to make compromises and stuff like that. But I guess, I don't, I guess I'm trying to figure out what are your thoughts, especially with your audience too. Go for it. So, okay. So, so, so far we've talked about this idea that it's likely you don't know what your needs are Mm -hmm. and you've likely been, you know, getting your needs met through helping other people for a very long time. Right. So these are, we're just kind of laying some planks here. Yep. So the next plank is to start to get into relationship with what your needs are and also starting to build that self-trust around the idea that you actually know what you need. You're just wildly disconnected from your needs. Gosh, I was wildly disconnected from my own needs for so long. And knowing what you need in any moment is just like working out a muscle group at the gym that you haven't worked out in a couple years. You start small, you do some reps, and then you gain strength and resiliency with time. So as you lean into the practice of getting into relationship with your own needs, 
you will gain more access to more and more of what you need. Mm. Right. So like, even if we were to just do that example in this like very moment, right. If I were to sit it, tune in in this moment and see what I need, like I need to uncross my legs. Have a desire for both feet on the ground. Um, I kind of want a sip of water. Liz is having a sip too. Um, gosh, after we get off this call, I want to go cuddle with my puppies who've been so patiently sitting behind me. And I want to close my laptop for the rest of the day because this is the only other thing I have to do today. And let's see, what else? And tonight, like, I actually want amazing quality time with my husband because I feel like I've been sharing him all weekend. Now, I will say that, like, that probably took a couple of years <laughs> for me to be able to list out all of those things. And those are pretty simple. But when we become so predispositioned in our relationships to, to defer our own needs to the needs and preferences of other people, we mm. actually have to like take the reins back right? Like, and I think such an easy example is like, think about when you go out to a restaurant. Oh, this used to be such a contentious gonna, topic. I was just going to say that. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> like, cause my husband is a huge foodie and, and he would always want to go out to dinner when we first started dating. And, and he would be like, what do you want? And I was like, no, like, what do you want? No, what do you want? And it was like such a hot button. And it was so hard for me to actually pause, tune in mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and come up with two or three restaurants where I would be delighted to go out. Like for so many years, all we had was pizza or calzones because that's where we finally ended because I wouldn't just pause <laughs> and think like, I want a salad tonight. <laughs> It's so tragic, right? Yeah. That's yeah. Like I just really love that you're giving these examples though, because I feel like I've done a lot of work on this too. And I feel like I'm at that point too, of like, I can name those things, but then like, I just love that. That was so, those things are so simple and it's so hard. Like, I just really love that you're normalizing that because yeah, I think there's just like also a lot of shame around it of like, oh yeah. Like, and also this deservingness piece. I think that that's like a real sneaky thing in there. Of like, I don't deserve those pieces. So it's, it's, I love that. I love that. <laughs> okay. So let's take it to the next level because mm -hmm. I feel like in the, um, in the journey of um, kind of coming to terms with your own caretaking tendencies, mm -hmm. um, it really requires you to get into relationship with yourself. Yeah. I think one of the um consequences of being uh of, of being a caretaker and sometimes being codependent is that we don't really know who we are. Mm -hmm. And it can be really hard to enjoy yeah resting, enjoy spending quality time with ourselves, taking ourselves out on a date. And not being um, helpful or um, like productive, right? Like breaking up with your product, 
your productive tendencies and learning Mm -hmm. how to enjoy rest or um, doing what you love or pursuing Mm -hmm. a pastime or a hobby um, Mm -hmm. is, is a real journey. And it's Mm -hmm. also incredibly liberating. And I think it can be the path for many of us who identify as um, givers Mm -hmm. to, to really find that balance Mm -hmm. um, by getting back into relationship with ourselves. Yeah. And that's really novel. I think in our culture, like in, at least in, I just don't feel like that's something that's talked about in the U S yeah, it's, it's yeah. People's own individual humanity is, is really glazed over. I don't, I don't even know if I ever told you about like my own journey. Um, Mm with like discovering my codependency because it really was like, it started in the area of romance. Mm. Like I lost myself in, in all my romantic relationships prior to meeting my husband, <laughs> every single one of them. Yes. Like I didn't know yes. who I was. Mm-hmm. And, um, it started in, it started working with my own therapist to like come to terms with my own bitterness and resentment about how I was royally not getting my needs met in my relationship Mm -hmm. um to ending to ending that unhealthy relationship and then kind of that's kind of where coaching started and I was like okay now what do I want like I've let this go now what do I want Mm -hmm. and um and I was so grateful for it because really um healing because because I don't actually know if we labeled this but the the caregiving trait for when it is unhealed is it's a it's a self-abandonment wound right it's like Mm -hmm. we abandon ourselves Mm -hmm. when we are routinely Mm -hmm. um giving and taking care of other people yeah like the over involvement in terms of assuming what people need what we think that they need or what would be best for them jumping in and doing that without having a conversation about it and doing it to them. And then I think the other piece, like just to tie those kind of ideas together, because people, I think a lot of people are familiar with the concept of people pleasing, where it's like someone asks for something and you're just like, yeah, okay. Cause I'm just like trying to make you happy kind of thing. Um, but yeah, all of these pieces, like people pleasing is self-abandonment. Like you're just, you're, you're totally abandoning yourself and your own needs and your own wants in favor of somebody else. And then I feel like the caretaking adds that other layer of like, not only are you abandoning yourself, yourself, but you're also like making all of those assumptions and managing like a little hands. Which, which I feel like ties in this third part of the journey, which is mm-hmm. voice yeah, and boundaries. Mm-hmm. Because when you, um, when you start to get into relationship with yourself and like, for me, when I started healing that unhealed part of myself and my own kind of self-abandoning in relationship and romantic relationship, and then I got out of it, I started taking myself out on weekly dates to figure out like, who the what do I like? am I? Like, what yeah. do I want to do? What do I like, feel like doing? Yeah, totally. And then, and then the voice part came in, like, how do I start including other people in what I want to do, in what I want to eat and how I want to spend 
my time and how I want to be loved, be cared for, like even be respected in, in business. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that the voice part is often, um, kind of like the third chapter of this journey. Mm, Absolutely. Um, and, and I think boundaries is a way to start including people, Mm. uh, including people Mm -hmm. and getting back into relationship with other people in, Mm. in the professional, as much as in the personal realm in a healthy, more sustainable way. Mm -hmm. Mm, I love that. You know, I love a framework. (laughs) Step one, two, and three. Can we (laughs) recap the steps again? What was the first step? So the first step is, um, normalizing that you likely don't know what you need and getting into relationship with your needs. Mm -hmm. The second step is learning how to enjoy spending time and being with yourself. Mm -hmm. And the third step is learning how to include other people. Yeah. um, Like communicate boundaries Mm -hmm. and yeah, like be authentic, be self-expressed. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. So many things I want to say. I guess one thing that's occurring to me, and maybe this is like a topic for another time or too big of a thing, or maybe still in process, but I think you and I sort of touched on this recently of like the experience of being a more boundaried person in relationship with people who are not on that same journey. Um, Do you know what I'm referring to? Like, Like, I think one thing that's been a little bit jarring for me and I'm more comfortable with it now, but it's like, I think it's just a really interesting dynamic once I've made those shifts in terms of the boundaries and being self-honoring with people who are not necessarily in that, in that place. Do you have any thoughts about that? Any, any, or is that too big of a topic? Like, I don't know. I mean, I think like some high level thoughts are if you are a giver it is likely that you attract takers. Mm. Oof. <laughs> Oof. I'm going to pause on that one. Okay. <laughs> right? Like it, it makes a lot of sense because mm-hmm. opposites attract mm. and we all need that polarity in our relationships, both personal and professional. Mm-hmm. So it is highly likely that you will attract takers. You will attract people who um, benefit from your generosity. Mm. So that's like, that's, I think starting there is really important. Mm -hmm. I I also think that as you become more boundaried in a self-honoring way, it's also Mm -hmm. very predictable and normal that you Mm -hmm. will outgrow some of your relationships. Mm that you will let go, move past, um, grow beyond, right? Like, even if I think about myself as a coach, as I've been coaching the last decade, like I have um, evolved the types of people that I attract into my practice based Mm -hmm. on the work that I've been doing and the conversations that I'm in and the energy that I exude. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think that's totally normal. And it's also really heartbreaking, you know, like I've lost some really dear people in my life because I showed up in an unhealthy way and I just gave 
and gave mm-hmm. and gave to no mm-hmm. avail. And, mm-hmm. um, and I also trained the other people I was in relationship with to expect that, yep. mm-hmm. that that's the norm. And I created that norm. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. on me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and some people, as we grow and as we elevate our own boundaries around what we are willing to give, like where our line, where our boundaries, where our capacity stops, some people will rise to the occasion and meet us mm-hmm. and be willing to reinvent and, and up-level relationships and some will not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we don't get to control that either. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Um, well, I want to, I want to be mindful of, of time. I think like one thing, well, couple, you can, you can share what you think. I think one thing that I would really love, what I love to, to, to do is like have, if people are interested in like learning more about this or exploring this more, are there any resources you can think of that you would recommend? Or I don't know, I I didn't prepare, I didn't prepare you for that question, but, um, just offhand. I mean, you know me, like I'm such an avid reader. Yeah. Um, I think a couple of, of books I'd recommend totally, totally. um, whether you're a reader or you enjoy audiobook. So the first one that was like a really earth shattering for me, um, was a book called codependent no more by Melody Beattie. Um, Melody comes from the, um, recovery world. So she uses a lot of jargon based on 12 step programs. Um, so it's definitely a book where I would invite you to take a, like to give yourself a healthy dose of permission to take what supports you and leave the rest. Mm-hmm. But her principles are like gold. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I, I really, I've read that too. Yeah. It's really, really eye-opening. I love that book. Um, and then more recently in our mastermind, we read Living Nonviolent Communication mm-hmm. by Marshall Rosenberg. Yep. yep. Which, um, have you, you've read it, you've read the book. So I've, I've read, I I haven't finished it actually, but nonviolent communication, it's actually on my desk right now. Um, nonviolent communication, I think is the first book and then living nonviolent communication is a second book by that yeah. same person. So yeah. I love the second book because oh, okay. it's, um, it's more practical and he literally, he, he workshops it's, I mean, it's a very, um, business savvy book. Like he literally mm-hmm. has many of his conferences and workshops and seminars transcribed. <laughs> and then he takes the work he does with attendees and he yeah. at, inserts it into a book. So it's oh, great wow. business model. <laughs> wow. Yeah, totally. But I also really love it because he actually walks you through how these conversations go and how this book specifically relates to our conversation is that his framework, like the framework of nonviolent communication is based on this very foundational concept that most of us are, have tragically unmet needs. Yeah. Yeah. And because we have tragically unmet needs, we create harm in our relationships. We um, create resentments and bitterness and I mean, conflict, right? He's done mediation in many war zones, Um, but it's based on this foundational concept that Mm -hmm. most of us are, have tragically unmet needs. We are tragically disconnected from our needs. And the whole model in his book is a framework around helping us to get reconnected with our needs Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. learn how to 
connect our needs with our feelings and then make requests. Yeah. I was going to say in terms of, to sum it up, well, this is the main piece that I've been using in my personal life, which is it's like, whenever you're communicating with somebody about a need, it's like, first step is I notice, I notice that blah, 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 blah. I feel here's how you feel about it. Here's what I need. And what's I think been interesting is to, in these conversations I've been having with people is like, what does a need actually mean? And it has to do with like me, myself. It's not like, oh, I need from you to do blah, 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 yeah. blah. No, no, that's actually I need a request. you is not a need. That's not a need, that's a request. <laughs> and so I need to feel safe in this conversation. And I would request that you lower your voice. Right. Well, would For you example, be willing to Would lower you be your willing? Voice? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, we, you just, we just use a straight up, I request. And then, and then the other piece of it, and I, and I've talked about this with, um, uh, we I, I feel like you and I've talked about we but we've talked about how the book doesn't, I don't know if it necessarily addresses this, but like, just because someone makes a request does not mean we have to do it. Right. And that comes back to that yeah. self-honoring piece of like, yeah, that would feel really great for me if you would do blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't have capacity. I don't have interest. I don't have desire. I don't have ability. And like, that's how we get to be separate people who come together and like respect each other's needs. Yeah. And I think that comes back to your, the other topic that you love around covert contracts, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. when we make a request, but the other person hears it as a demand Mm -hmm. or that it will be a problem if they don't agree, well, then that's not a request. Like that is a demand and Mm -hmm. that's on us. And I also think just to normalize that, um, because in our society, so many of us have tragically unmet needs. There is a lot of built up resentment and hurt mm-hmm. in, in, in many of our closest relationships. And I think now more than ever with the pandemic mm-hmm. and the imbalance of, um, of household responsibilities and caring mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. home. Um, so there's a lot of built up, uh, anger and mm-hmm. pain there. So mm-hmm. it's highly likely that as you start to practice asking for what you need, um, it's likely not going to be met with an open heartedness or a willingness or generosity at first, right? Because there's going to be this like just very natural expectation that, oh, you don't really mean that. Mm -hmm. Or Mm -hmm. you actually like, this is not actually a request. Like Mm -hmm. this is going to be a huge problem if I don't align or give Mm -hmm. in So it's, it's a practice and it takes time. And I think a really good gauge is a gauge to know you're on the right track. You will literally feel the difference in your relationships when you're practicing NVC, nonviolent communication, when you're practicing NVC in the household and your partners, or even your children start to energetically like know that they can say yes, no, or a counter offer to your requests. Yeah. that, that you've created a shift. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I think just also just, I think one thing that you've helped me so much with is just radical transparency of, um, um, what's the, you always say it the same way and it's not coming to me, but it's like a being self-revealing, I think is how you say it, but it's just like, even like, so in my personal relationships, I've started using NBC framework, especially for difficult conversations. And I, and I explicitly said to them, Hey, I have this new model of this thing that I'm going to practice. And here's step. Like I I'm comfortable saying that, but just being transparent, even if like, it's not like, Oh, like a guessing thing of like, why is she started all of a sudden talking like that? Right. Like, no, like I'm going to use this framework. It would be really, really meaningful for me, my request. Right. When I put that through, if you would 
practice doing this with me kind of thing, yeah. right? Like we can just be transparent about, Hey, things are shifting for me. I'm practicing this new thing and let's be in communication about it. Yeah. And I, I mean, just to like normalize this, cause I'm mindful of your audience, but when we start to shift in our relationships in one area of life, it affects how we show up yeah. and who we be everywhere else. Oh. Right. So imagine if you create this massive shift in your home life where you are feeling um, well-resourced and cherished and appreciated by your spouse, imagine the domino effect of how that impacts the grace and the compassion and the um, self-honoring that you can extend to your patients and your clients and, and your colleagues and how you show up for your work and then how you leave it at the end of the day because you're getting more of your needs met at home so naturally it's going to require you to get less of your needs met at work. Yeah. Woo, can we mic drop there? <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Thank you so much, Kat. Um, I mean, I know you primarily work with um, entrepreneurs and so maybe my people, um, like I, I feel like people just would love to hear your stuff. And so is there a place that people should check out um, all of your work so they can learn more from you and just hear your magical wisdom. I mean, I feel like, um, the podcast is the first place I totally. send people because I think yeah. you get the most intimate experience. So yeah. my podcast totally. is the prosperous empath. And I think that's a great place to totally. take what supports you. Some of the topics yeah. may not feel as relevant, but others absolutely will. Totally. Thank you so much. You're the best. I love fun. you. Love so you fun. That's our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review and tell all your NP friends. So together we can help as many nurse practitioners as possible give the best care to their patients. If you haven't gotten your copy of the ultimate resource guide for the new NP, head over to realworldnp.com guide. You'll get these episodes sent straight to your inbox every week with notes from me, patient stories, and extra bonuses I really just don't share anywhere else. Thank you so much again for listening. Take care and talk soon.